Hello and welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a pair of filmmakers and a comedian uh, really just survive and make the most of the 80s movies we think we love or might have missed with uh, with these our modern eyes and sensibilities. And really, in the end, the reward is friendship. Uh, <laughs> we are watching, or we did watch, Enemy Mine, uh, a movie selection from 1985. planet. He is a soldier. Alone with his enemy. Also, don't you understand English, toad face? I don't love you and you don't love me. We're stranded here, you understand? His suspicion will change to tolerance. You saved my life. Why? I need to look at another face, even as ugly as yours. Tolerance will lead to friendship. We should open up a little place here. I could ruin the food. You could scare away the customers. <laughs> and with that friendship will come an overwhelming responsibility. You must be a girl. Don't get around, Jerry. You must pick my place. Protecting a life he values more than his own. Gossett Jr., Wolfgang Peterson's Enemy Mine. Enemy Mine. All right. I am uh, Chrissy Lenz, uh, director of the Neighborhood Comedy Theater, improviser, comedian. Uh, and with me, as always, is filmmaker Nathan Blackwell. Oh, hi, Chrissy. Good to <laughs> podcast with you again. No, it's been a hot minute. Um, <laughs> Welcome back to our brand new um, season 2.3. Yeah. Thank you. It's... Totally planned. It's all right. Uh huh. Yep. 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 And uh, we have yet another special guest with us today. That's right. A filmmaker friend of mine, uh, Sean Oliver. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, he's got a British accent now. Oh, <laughs> who knows what the voice will be as we go on? Yeah, right. yeah, I, I'm into it. Change it up. Um, so, um, tell us a little bit about your uh, filmmaking, Sean. Um, yeah, so uh, I kind of met Nathan because we were both doing web series for a long time. So he was doing mm -hmm. Voyage Trekkers, the very awesome sci-fi based Voyage Trekkers, <laughs> Voyage <laughs> Trekkers. Um. And so while he was doing that, I was making a web series about lucid dreaming called Lucidity. And I think um, I just ended up kind of mm -hmm. discovering him as I was looking for other web series creators and saw him that, you know, he was at a lot of the same festivals we were at and stuff like that. And we just kind of slowly developed a friendship through that. Yeah, and we're then, bo both um, adults uh, dressing in strange costumes in the desert. 
Yes, we had that. We had so much in common about that and making lightsaber noises. <laughs> Yay. Um, wonderful. So Enemy Mine, I this was my first time seeing this movie, although I definitely have been was in the room while my parents watched this movie and was just like, you're crazy. I don't know what this weirdness is. Um, <laughs> was this a favorite of yours, Sean? Yeah, so I watched this film almost every summer in Oregon with my grandmother. Wow. wow. It was her favorite film, which was weird because she was just this tiny little Korean woman. And she just loved <laughs> Enemy Mine a lot. <laughs> I love that. I love the idea that she's like, well, must be getting on summer. Time for Enemy Mine. <laughs> Get that VHS tape out. Uh, so i watched it all just literally over and over and over again um and i probably had watched it maybe once in high school and then this is like you know my my previous i haven't watched it for a decade or more Uh, so it was quite a watch coming that's great yeah so so do we do do we know why she wanted to watch it so often was she into um, Dennis Quaid? Was she a... a... Into Lewis Gossett Jr.? We, we never Lewis? discussed her sexual preferences. <laughs> <laughs> we did, I, Unfortunately, she did pass before we had the opportunity to... God damn it. ...really get into what makes a hunk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we discuss that a lot on this podcast, though. I mean, it's mostly me, but I, I discuss <laughs> that a lot on this podcast. So I hope you're ready <laughs> with some hot it's... takes. Oh, it's. I mean, it's part of the. It's part of the business. Yeah. Part of our expectations. Yeah. So I. She. I mean, she was. She always told us bedtime stories about aliens. Um. I think she. <laughs> she liked aliens. So I think that was a lot of it. And it. This. I it, mean, it's a piece. It's a movie about finding common ground between two different alien species. Yeah. Yeah. There. There totally could have been her feelings of being a Korean woman and married this, you know, weird white Asian guy and neither of their families really being into it. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, she saw her own children as these little zammies. Aw, zammies. <laughs> um, that's lovely. And uh, Nathan, I have to assume that this is a favorite of yours. I don't know why. It just like, I saw a lot. <laughs> I saw a lot of Nathan in this movie oh, d- oh awesome <laughs> well I, I um this is a movie i've probably only seen twice what i am shocked <laughs> maybe like 2.5 times okay. but um it, it's it not was, hugely popular right yeah it, it almost kind of reminds me of like like if you had to throw it into a bin of of movies i'd almost put it in with like alien nation like definitely like a sci-fi movie uh, from the 80s that kind of like took society and spun it on its head like mm. i was I, I guess i ended up being much more in the like last starfighter zone mm. of the movies that i would like rewatch. um i, I think it's not I, really a kid's like space yeah movie. i think that's i think that's why because it's it's really more an adult like sci-fi their movie. action scenes are terrible so oh, yeah <laughs> so so Dennis, bad which is All- fine because it's not built upon that Right, but I mean, like all the humans are literally—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a sci-fi movie and everything in design. But all the humans are shooting like, like nineteen eighties <laughs> firearms, like literally like silver, like cock, you know, pistol, semi-automatic pistols that don't even look futuristic. They're just shiny and metallic, but it's literally like spray-painted pistols. No, I don't. I didn't even give them the credit that they spray-painted them. They looked just yeah, off the shelf. 
Yeah, like off the shelf sh- shotguns the, and but all and, the money went into the makeup, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it was really good. So. They got those guns at five below. Yeah, they, different departments, I guess. Yeah. I did laugh every time they've told pulled out a gun. Just like, <laughs> yeah. What is going on with this? Like, look, you pistol. space alien. <laughs> I'm gonna fire yeah. this chunk of metal right at you. Yeah. They spent all the money on like Erlenmeyer flasks to be filled with green and red liquid. In that, in that, I, I mean, this uh, we don't know the backstory of this world. There, there could be this whole like, you know, firearm um, uh, big interest monopoly that has just slowed the development of of human firearms. Yeah, or, and there's I, like, I think there's we should one laser that. gun per group, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Per They're like rocket pilot. launchers. The, the, so. la- the laser gun lobby was not very strong in this universe. <laughs> so human beings, this movie starts out by letting us know that human beings were out in space and we are doing that thing that human beings do, which is running around telling everybody that this is this shit's ours and you better get out of here. Um, so, it was a I, legal acquisition. That's what he said. I that was possibly my favorite moment of the whole thing when they are fighting, and he's like, "We legally annexed these star it's systems a legal <laughs> through the human legal system." You were served papers, and you had thirty days to respond, and you did it. Just because your, you know, different species planetary legal system isn't the same as ours does not enter into our calculations. Um, So this war has been going on for untold eons. And like, you know, every once in a while, they just run around space together and shoot at each other. These humans and these Drax, which are the the alien which they it, it, were you guys also weirded out by the fact that they kept referring to them as non-human aliens and i'm like do we need both of those designations i didn't even catch that actually no. <laughs> i was just like yep non-human alien non, <laughs> non-human aliens yeah, I'm well, it, it, it implies that we've met human aliens like over you know in, well if you've seen star trek there's a lot something. of those Right. Okay. All right. Fine, Nathan. That's fine. true. That's true. They're all, they're always like the guy with the dimple on his forehead, or the guy with like the tattoo on his nose. Yeah, <laughs> but th- those would still not necessarily be humans, though, right? They'd be humanoid, but not like they're not humans if they're not. But yeah, if you want to get technical, it's like so like close a... that Congress just considers them human. <laughs> right. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care. Like, your belly it's, button can it's be such six deep, inches rich higher. World building—it's really hard to crack this sometimes. It is. <laughs> well, and that's speaking of world building, they just jump directly into things are happening. Like things mm-hmm. just there's no beginning of this movie, but still with just a stupid narration. I yeah, hate, I hate narration. I decided to climb into my starship and then turn on the power switch. A lot of it's pretty much exactly what we're getting to. Yeah, like, it's like I post- don't know why. Uh huh. Yeah, stuff that they, I, I guess they had to add in post production because it's it's it does seem like it's just narrating exactly what we see, but yeah. maybe it's making it. They're trying to make it more clear. Yeah, yeah, too- I think so too confusing that he's getting into the spaceship and going mm. into space. He's got to say that. I decided to sit down in my seat really hard this Even time. in the end, after he's back, he's like, and I knew I had to get back. It's like, we know. We all we all, we all, all know where you're going, <laughs> Yeah, Dennis. 
We've been paying attention. But so they that's the they are like, you know, here's what we need. We all get Dennis Quaid. You get him just from looking at him. All we need is like less than five minutes of him and his twelve year old co pilot, um, like fat shaming the women and <laughs> being slightly horny. He yeah. tries to make it right. He's like, hey, man, like my dying wish is right. for you to be less of a dick. <laughs> yeah. my- so, so again, it's always interesting to see like the like the the past, in this case, the 80s kind of future project what the future is. So you've got women pilots. That's cool. But, but they still got, need to. They still need to mind and, their weight. Yeah. Yeah. They exactly. Still, they still Obviously. need to be. Everybody does when you're an astronaut, though. That's right. not purely sexist. There's gravity <laughs> getting off the planet is a lot of fuel. I mean, we're just. I mean, from a scientific point of view, I don't think that's what they were talking about. But I don't. Th- it is it a is. different right. concern. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and then like bada bing, bada boom, we are stuck on this planet, which uh, like the whole time I was like, it seemed like he was just right there. Like, it seemed like he was just right there. Like he flew like a yeah, half an like, inch. Why yeah. can't they find him? Yeah. They clearly don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, maybe a deleted scene, but everyone thought he was a dick, I think. Or and that he went down to, right? Like he saw his ship, like go into this place it would be interesting as if they were watching the whole time and this had become like a new reality show you know <gasps> they just yeah. didn't want to spoil it they didn't yeah. want to break the bubble <laughs> it's like a big brother situation i mean yeah, yeah. i mean it's you know it's like oh my god is it gonna survive? oh my god there's a track there oh my god they get oh are they gonna kill each other oh my god they're friends oh my One god crazy drag pregnant <laughs> um so yeah like and i i love I love a story of people who are stranded and like they're having to make the most, you know, I love a Swiss family Robinson. I love a, I love a castaway. I love using the things you find in your environment to like, you know, play football and try and have a normal life. I'm into it. I'm here for it. Um, So basically like that's the story is that he, uh, Dennis Quaid and the uh, alien Drac, um, have to learn to live together or else be alone um and yeah so what do you guys think of the makeup on uh lewis gossett jr the drac who was apparently nude for a big portion of the beginning of this movie (laughs) (laughs) it's true oh that is what my notes show I, i thought the makeup was great i thought they did a really good job especially for I mean, you look back at some of these movies and the makeup does not hold up. But in this case, I felt like it it was pretty solid, you know, not only in terms of like concept, but in terms of ex- execution, you know. Yeah, I think it's their their biggest strength of everything that they had going for it. And I think mm-hmm. they, they probably knew that they needed to get it right. Yeah. Because um, even like some Star Wars aliens or, you know, other 80s sci-fi, you know, they get. Oh, yeah. Goofy. It, it's just like, yeah. I mean, even like some of the, the aliens in Return of the Jedi, it's just like a big, literally a big rubber mask. Yes. Know? Well, and you I, what I really loved about the the alien makeup in the in Enemy Mine is that like you can you can understand an evolution, like an environmental evolution that would produce these creatures with the like sort of the corners of the mouth that sort of inflate and deflate the like sort of retracting beak like mouth the the uh you know bubbles on the head and things like this like i can understand an evolution that would produce those traits Mm -hmm. it looks very alive 
Yeah. As opposed to like sometimes like you mentioned Star Wars or even like this often my criticism of like Guillermo del Toro things is like what evolution produced you? Like why? Fear. It's hey, del Toro yes. mostly. The <laughs> evolution of fear, I think. Oh, yes. Um, and so I thought they looked really good. At, but other than that, the, like the creatures on the planet, uh, uh, they clearly put all their... <laughs> Eggs little little furry dustbuster thing, <laughs> and yeah, these these little furry, many eyed dustbusters, and the one slappy creature. There's like yeah. one creature in a star, which as a kid was like terrifying. Sand, yeah, like the sand lamprey. I thought mm-hmm. he was terrifying as a child. So oh yeah, uh huh. The slappy work on kids. Yeah, the slapper. Yeah. Um. In the beginning, you know, when he when Dennis Quaid is interacting with Louis Gossett Jr., aka Jerry, um, I, I, I'm just thinking it's like, okay, how are you representing humans, Dennis Quaid? And there's so many like embarrassing things <laughs> that he did to that alien. It's like you're giving you're you're really giving the wrong representation to us people. Like where he's like, I don't know what happened, like how long it took him to sneak over to his ship. But he was just like, feed me, give me food, give me food. (laughs) Like he was tied up and he was his prisoner. And Dennis Quaid is like literally like screaming for food. Like Mm -hmm. you can go a couple days without food, you know, or maybe he's like on some like special like paleo or keto keto diet or whatever like he he needs a certain amount of calories per hour or whatever maybe he's just he's just really stressed on that you know yeah well it needs but But he just seemed voracious like he was gonna eat anyone or anything yeah Yeah, i mean he's not who we want representing us in the end no 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 because he's also like i hate you save me save me you know do you understand my language toad face it's like oh yeah um, it's just because you didn't understand a lot of the hateful words that Jerry was using, you know. <laughs> Some of those, like that's yeah, very if, offensive. If we had, yeah, yeah. If we had, if I had turned the subtitles on, maybe <laughs> we would have just seen how how bad the other side was. Yeah. Was well, yeah. Me and my friend that watched it. One of the things that that was just like rubbing us weird is that he just treats Jerry like he's an immigrant. <laughs> instead uh-huh. of like a like a freaking alien right like he's just you understand english it's just like well like is that really how you'd approach a space alien like yeah he's but, he has very american sensibilities even down mm-hmm. to the fact that like, yeah, his, he was like his god is mickey mouse and like <laughs> which is funny since it's from a german director so it's like a german mm-hmm. director kind of you know yeah, he, like, what he wants to highlight as American sense. Yeah, he was doing like a drive-by on, on American culture. Yeah, well, and like I think Dennis Quaid was so well cast in that way because he just like has a punchable face. Like, yeah, you you do. <laughs> that's the thing. You you do. I, it's purposeful. You do want to make him the obnoxious, ignorant American, patriotic American who does go through this paradigm shift of of learning sensitivity and learning what the other side is doing. You know, it's almost, I mean, there's so many different, the great thing about sci-fi is that you can say, Oh, this is about um, the Americans versus Russians, or this is about white and black. You know, there's so many different, you know, that so many, because it's coming at from an angle rather than straight on, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you can, you can apply this 
situation as a metaphor to so many other terrible human situations that <laughs> that we've yeah. created. It's uh, this is very true, and and it is that, and even like there are moments where it seems like oh they they think this is comedy, like they're doing like very a sitcom-y like I'm gonna tape a line down my side of the shelter you stay on your side of the shelter you know mm -hmm. it, and it's a little bit banana so but they do learn to live together they you know have this like tepid sort of alliance um and then at some point, oh, also, like, what is going on with Dennis Quaid's, like, beard and hair? Could they not? Could he it's not? It's how we show time. No, Mark. I know, but couldn't he grow a beard? Couldn't he grow his hair? Like, look, it's, it's, I wish it was it all forward, but it's not. And then that's the thing. It's like you see him, like, start to get the stubble, start to grow a, grow a little facial hair. Like, if it was based off of how fast I can grow a beard, like, that literally could have been, like, two years that's passed. <laughs> you're, you're, and then but you're yeah, from the male, male point of view, I wish all beards came out luxurious and not patchy and uh, camera pretty. It's getting so personal here. Look, you know, <laughs> can you relate, Sean? I, I mean, I, mine started to come in a little bit more in the past couple of years. I've, I'm more okay with my facial hair. But, but I was once right where you are. I don't have a hero's beard. I've reconciled this. I have more of what some might call a villain's beard. Mm. Yeah, right. I, I mean, if Dennis Quaid's going to be out here fat shaming the lady pilots, I'm going to beard shame his game. You know, like. All right, beard shame is I mean, on. after three years is pretty weak effort, I think. I think so. Um, yeah. but they're like, oh, we spent all this money on Lewis Gossett Jr. looking amazing. Like, we're just gonna stick some like dollar store beard on you and like a wig we borrowed from a different. Like, don't movie. worry, no one's looking at Dennis. They're all looking <laughs> at the drag. Exactly. Um, what do you what do you guys think about like Dennis Quaid? Do you have feelings about him? Like, do you like him? Do you love in general him? or in this movie? I both in general into this movie, like you know, because he's very much the same character in this movie. I think that he is <laughs> in like in inner space, where it's just like yeah. he, he's a lovable jerk, kind of. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I'm not sure I love him that much. I don't know. <laughs> what do you guys think? I, I, you know, what? I've always had a soft spot for lovable jerks because they're they're charming and and usually if and usually idiots, you know, and. And usually there's some degree of growth and learning or humility with it, but I kind of I kind of enjoy the the, the characters that are are full of themselves but are missing the mark, you know, like um, like a like a Star Lord type is is kind yes. of yes yeah ab absolutely like I, I'm that's that's um right in my sweet spot, um and yeah as a kid I always thought the hammy nature was always fun like. The clown part was always fun. Yeah. You know, like w w I really liked him in inner space. Uh, he, he was definitely one of my my favorites in that. I, I love inner space. <laughs> it's yeah. Uh -huh. So good. Um, what about you, Sean? Do you do you feel a certain way about Dennis? I Quaid? Yeah, I don't have heart like really any feelings towards Dennis Quaid. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Sean, what, what are your feelings towards Dennis Quaid? <laughs> you know, like. You know, he wouldn't, if he passed, you know, he wouldn't be my, like, sad Facebook tweet of we lost a great celebrity. Yeah. But, you know, maybe I would like someone else's. Well, that's because you're a villain and you're growing a villain beard. 
<laughs> so in this movie, he was just Davinge to me always. That's what he's always been ever since childhood. It's yeah. Just he, this. He this became character. the character so completely. And I don't want to watch too many Dennis Quaid movies because it might take away from that. It's, it's true. true. It's true. Well, Inner Space. Is but good. I thought he did a great job in this, like, ultimately. Because there's some things that are just a, a big ask for an actor to have to, like, mm-hmm. make work if you're, you know. if Right. Like the, the way jo- you're shooting it isn't, like, like, really cheating it to be great. Right. So. Like the joy of the baby Chud or Ghoulie <laughs> being born <laughs> and holding it in his arms. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Is it that the baby act? It so much reminded me of the the little squid baby in Men in Black, and I was like, well, I yeah. guess like I guess Alien Baby Tech didn't advance that much in ten years. Yeah. Between these two movies, right? They but even just... like his little mid phase when he's like I don't know, like supposed to be a one year old. He's just a doll that he picks up and runs <laughs> yeah. right. through the cave, and, 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 and he does yeah. gives it his best. He, he yodas it, you know. He puts it on his back, yeah. and he starts running everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, so so we that's you know what happens next basically is that Lewis Gossett Jr. is like oh BT Dubs like you know my people don't have gender you know you just all of a sudden have a baby in in growing in you like and you there's nothing to choose just happens it just happens um, but I love I like Lewis Gossett Jr. is like acting the you know what? hell I, I like out to of think it. I like to think that when um, the Dennis Quaid was choking the living crap out of Lewis Gossett Jr. That actually got him pregnant. That triggered it. Yeah. That's kind of what it, I thought. It was, yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty, you know, they were right this, in each other's I face. Mean, too much was, sweat falls on his body, which absorbs Some it. drinks, you know, are really into that sort of play anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, my, my. Um, if you check out the websites, oh, my God. Like the, anyway. There, yeah, we're we're not here to kink shame any alien species or humanoid alien, a, a, non-human aliens. Um, uh, but I love the way he is, like the way he plays the, the character, like as he's like, "Well, I'm gonna have a baby, and nobody has a choice about it. I'm knitting a little." Oh, short. he's so excited, yeah. and, like preparing, and he's nesting. He's yeah, like, mm-hmm. or they are um, nesting. I guess I should say he's and he is soupy dupes cute, and um, they you know, as they get to know each other, like it becomes obvious that he's going to die. Like he's like, knows he's going to die because, but I was unclear on like, he says something's wrong. So they don't always die when they have babies. Besides if they only gave birth to one and then died, there'd only be one. (laughs) Right. Well, they couldn't do the whole take your kid in front of the council thing. Right. Which is a big part of it. Your yeah. lineage, your to qu- quote your lineage would be quite sure to be like, well, I had Larry, and then that and was then it, every, and then he had everyone else. Yeah. It's like anyone giving birth in a cave, though. You're like, usually there's a lot more medical devices. Mm-hmm. This may not go well, and it Just does so not you know go well. And, and, yeah. and essentially he's like you got to rip this baby out of me and he's like okay and then like I was shocked when he just uses his fingers to yeah. like yeah pry open the belly like we know he had a knife (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then you're like stabbing your friend too he's like i don't know how far the baby is in there this looks like it should open like a zipper it looks like a zipper like Like i see a hinge nature's zipper yeah um but they do have these really like so the kind of crux of like them finally uh, uh becoming like brothers i guess you would say is that um, they share each other's 
lineage. They, they like, you know, tell me the story of your ancestors. And that's like really important to the Drax people, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was so beautiful and like such a, an uncommon thing to see in an eighties movie where it's like the bonds are forged by honoring someone to share your story, right? Someone who's worthy of knowing your story, sharing it with them is the ultimate vulnerability and like the exchange of, um, you know, a person to person to tell their story is like kind of the biggest deal there is. And I love that, like, you know, Dennis Quaid, who's representing this like very human asshole it's like yeah I, I mean i guess i had a mom and a dad and a grandpa yeah. i guess and there and he's like oh well i've got so much culture and it's so beautiful and i've got so much religion and it's so beautiful Ugh. i i who's so who's the mm-hmm. savage one or whatever you know no i i absolutely love that part especially also they had had a lot of like odd special meaning since this is tied to my grandmother so there is there's literally like lineage for me with this film which is all like nostalgia like i get that not everybody will have that read with it but when it kind of get got to that it's not something i remembered from the movie and it there is something very thoughtful of like when we're out in space and like that question of where you come from Mm -hmm. i think does become more important because you know you're you're so far from home and I could see how any spacefaring race like the Drax would would consider that an importance of like respecting your origins and keeps you tied to it so you don't become these, you know, these ravengers at the edge of space that don't really care about anything because you don't have a home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and Dennis Quaid's his um his lineage was very relatable. Uh, well <laughs> uh my dad, he I he I mean he helped make computers and then my mom she was like a a waitress mm-hmm. and then um, grandma yeah. was a good cook like, right you know, she lived eighty years but all she did was cook really did really uh, yeah like, and then I don't know there was some asshole named Donnie in there somewhere <laughs> like it was just like oh shit that's like my lineage too yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I like the reverence that uh, Jerry reads it back to him with because uh-huh. Jerry reads it like it's all you know he doesn't know whether waitress or com- you know computer maker mm-hmm. there's societal feelings about these two things to them it's just all like this is where you came from this is what they did and. Yeah. It's important because it got you here. Yeah. And I think that it really is a like nice contrast to when he starts. So he he raises the baby. He really embraces single fatherhood. And he he erases that baby um, with so much love. And like at some points when Zamis, the baby is like, I wish I had five fingers instead of three. I wish I had you know, a face that looked like your face and Dennis Quaid, in spite of all the beginning of the movie being like, you're ugly, you're a frog person, you know, you're gross and I'm better than you is like, no, 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 you're perfect for who you are. You're a perfect drac and being you're a drac a good is beautiful. Kid. Yeah. I thought that was so, so, so sweet. And I loved, even though I was sad to not have uh, Louis Gossett Jr. in the movie anymore, I was like into single dad Dennis Quaid. <laughs> and that kid killed it too. He really picked up the the alien Drac torch and like mm-hmm. with like the speech and just, you know, mm-hmm. they grew the makeup again really like, I felt like he really truly is the, the offspring mm-hmm. of Jerry. Yes. And here's another thing of this movie being like, you know, ultimately 
holding up and and even holding up so much better than so much so many other movies of its era or even modern movies is that like Dennis Quaid who seems to be like the biggest jackass fully embraces the these this ungendered being right Mm-hmm. And and refers to I, I don't love that they refer to each of them as it instead of like mm-hmm. a, a they them, they. you know, uh, but that, like I totally respect that he wasn't always like he he he, you know, I'm designating you male like he really leaned into the um, ungendering of the Drac species. And I was like, that's his very woke of you, Dennis Quaid. And I did not expect that of you or of this movie. And I was pleasantly surprised. Not as surprising that they like, even even just that storyline. I think that's part of the reason, like some of the stuff why this movie's not as popular, because you know, you, I imagine something like, you know, even when um, Shape of Water came out, a lot of people were like, I don't want to see that movie where she, you know, has sex with a monster. They're like, I don't want to see this movie where Dennis Quaid like makes friends with this hermaphrodite alien that gives birth to its like own child. Like, <laughs> it's the eighties. I'm gonna go do blow. <laughs> yes. I want to see true. them blow each other up, not learn to love each other. It's um, just so different than the. Well, like, if you waited the, just a few months, you could see that there's Rambo, like yeah, the Star sure. Wars space battle kind mm-hmm. of sci-fi genre. <laughs> I see this so much as like, man, like this would make a really fantastic stage play. It with would. Like two I would great s- actors. Hell yeah. The stuff that doesn't work is a lot of your action, which you don't have. Like now, when you do a little bit of that, it's just great you know, stagecraft. So mm-hmm. it's like cool that you have a couple spaceship things, but then the bulk of it is really well, yeah, just between you, if these you, two people. If you, if you turn some of the action scenes that we see in the end, which are arguably some of the weakest parts oh, of easily. the movie, for sure. If you turn them into like musical numbers, <laughs> hey, 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 you toad face. <laughs> you know, like they're art, they're like we'll workshop. Those they're, yeah, exactly. They're struggling over a shotgun. <laughs> I, I tell like you, all the other humans kind of suck. Were meant honestly. to be slaves. I am no, into no, it. No, where's my child? And yeah. I would love it if they did that sort of like uh, Johnny Lee Miller, um, Benedict Cumberbatch thing, where they like switch roles every night. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, where oh, it's yeah. like sometimes I'm the Drax, sometimes you're the Drax. We're gonna switch off. Um, I would be totally into that. Uh, no, I think so- it, sh- it should have a revival. It should. I would be so so signed up for that. Um, and so, but speaking of the the last little bit of this movie, just takes yeah. a bonkers turn, where Dennis Quaid's dead, then he's alive, and then all of a sudden, shot in the heart, yeah, literally, <laughs> dude, dude, literally got shot in the heart. <laughs> and like, then, okay, and he's just like running around, like literally wearing disguises. He's got like a trench coat and an Indiana Jones hat, fedora on, and he's like, nobody will recognize me. What? <laughs> we gotta wrap this picture up. All right, we gotta wrap it up in fifteen minutes. And then also, all of a sudden, they're dropping people into drills and like dismembering ears, and like all of a sudden, it becomes very like graphically gory in a weird way. It reeks like, of a what? producer coming in and asking like, "Where's the action?" Yeah, where they're in this hut and they're talking. I don't know if one of them's like impregnated himself. Where's the action? <laughs> and they're just the whole that whole weird, very Captain Kirkian fight scene where he's just like single punch, single punch. Oh single yeah, punch. struggles left, right, left, push. <laughs> Outrageous sound effects. They couldn't even get good punching uh-huh. sound effects. 
Yeah. Um, and they're just talk- tossing Zamis around. Like, he is getting concussed left, right, <laughs> sideways, up, down. They're tossing him into a pallet full of oh, rocks. <laughs> yeah, he's either crushed or going to be burned. Um, it also reeks of, like, they couldn't have the kid actor anymore. So they're like, ah, we'll just use this. Rubber doll. doll. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, they could only shoot with minors for like eight hours in a day. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, let's bring in the rubber doll. Um, and there is one crazy moment when the sort of ultimate bad guy like tosses them into, he's about to toss them into like boiling oil or something. And he says, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. <laughs> he says it. <laughs> With a straight face. And I'm like, this, uh, this son of a bitch has never heard Shakespeare. Yeah. And, and, and it's also the problem of like having like the, the bad guy there, such a like obvious character actor from, yeah. from a lot of movies, like from. He's just he, he, such a bad for a movie that's all about trying to get to like, you know the the more finer minutia of what's going on. Yeah, people, yeah, like yeah, gives he, us some of like the most cor- like corny villains in the end. Yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah, and um, corny ham fisted like villains from like a canon films, you know, action yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole end sequence reeked of like a really bad version of the Temple of Doom like mining stuff uh-huh. whereas like i've seen i have seen this sequence play out with like a buff dude like saving a little kid and a bunch of miners like but it was mm-hmm. a temple of doom and it was handled a lot better than this yes it was so temple of doom yeah and and then even the end where he's like uh yeah so then uh we uh, went to uh went to his thing and i uh said the names and uh bada boom he had a kid named it after me we're yeah. done <laughs> pretty good the narrator because all the uh, other narration was quaid before right there yeah. was never this old man who was telling us this story until the very end of it like, why couldn't quaid just finish it out and they ran out of money uh, <laughs> sorry dennis that's a day we have more but don't worry we're using that guy oh, we got one more scene he's driving away <laughs> <laughs> they ran out of Quaid bucks, and he, he ain't coming it. back. He <laughs> is not coming back. True story. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So, very weird turn at the end. Um, yeah. But overall, like I, you know, I already said it, but I think this movie holds up, and I would recommend mm. it um, to people to see. And I would recommend it be a stage play, and I would recommend like let's start showing this now. You know, in movie theaters. Because I think people need to see it. The message they need to see holds- the first hour and ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there could be a, a special edit, <laughs> and then someone explains the rest. <laughs> but it's, not it Dennis Quaid. It will not right. be Dennis Quaid explaining it to you. That's all we do know. Uh, what <laughs> it could be a, a, a montage. Yeah. And here's what happened. They were so the afraid of montages in that movie. That was another one of my my beefs. Is it's like a lot of it's just kind of string set pieces along. And that's where it felt very theatrical to me. It was like, mm-hmm. here's our scene here. It's kind of about this. And then then we fade out and we fade back in. And it's, you know, now we're at a different set piece. And mm-hmm. I wish I wish there had been a better use of montage to convey time other than Quaid's weird beard. Yeah. I You know, I also, it's, I also, um, I felt like we missed an opportunity where, because he was back with all the humans, mm-hmm. you know, who, who were both like, not into all it was almost kind of like the ending of like dances with wolves or something it's like where you know he returns to the insensitive world of people who don't who still treat still don't get it 
yeah, the, the, the Drax as an other, you know, or as a thing. And, and I felt like we missed the moment, like it happened off screen of where he's defending his friendship or yeah. defending his newfound beliefs. No, he just bolted to, to deaf ears, you know? He did. I don't because... even get why his friends even showed up to help him in the end. I didn't really didn't. Yeah. Get... Yeah. They, Other they than were... to arrest him, like that would probably were... be what they're there for. Yeah, they, they were writing him off as he was all going, is from their point of view, gone to crazy town. And Little so why would they go school. after him unless, you know, that there was some other reason? Instead, they should have had some sort of concern or, or affection for him to add, then go after him afterwards, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, but totally agree with that. Did not even think of it that way. But but yeah, he's just like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to blow a hole in the side of your spaceship. But that's fine because apparently, <laughs> apparently everywhere in space has oxygen, so it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, that did work out for him. Um, uh, so on a, a scale of one um, uh, alien baby being ripped out of a tummy tom tom to ten alien babies. Um, oh my god, that's a lot of babies. Uh, or, or like on a scale of having one lineage to ten lineages, um, <laughs> how, uh, where do you plunk down enemy mine? I mean, I, I, I am speaking from deep place of nostalgia. So, from a personal level, you know, I still just enjoyed the hell out of watching it, and would give it like a nine. But if I'm like taking off my nostalgia blinders. <laughs> it's probably your nostalgia vr goggles somewhere between like a six and an eight depending on like what you want to focus on in right which which half hour of the movie we speak of yeah yeah because i think there's uh, there's a lot of great stuff and solid Mm -hmm. scenes between the two of them that yeah there's a lot of stuff it's like oh why don't they make this kind of movie anymore like a sci-fi movie with like you know issues it should have been like an an, an indie film it's probably for as much as they probably wanted more money it probably would have been better if they lost half their budget and cut all the (laughs) space stuff and it was just two actors on this planet dealing with each other um i did read that the producers insisted that they include a mine like a literal Uh, mine so that people who got confused that the title was referring to an enemy, an enemy that is possessed by me, they would be like, oh, yeah, what, what was the mine? Yeah, that was a mine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> the mine was in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. So on a scale of one mine to 10 mines, <laughs> Nathan, what what say you? So I'm going to give it a seven. Um, I And I, you know, I would have rated it higher um, if it wasn't for kind of like the last 20 minutes. Um but yeah, I feel like in terms of it holding up, it having, um, you know, a very interesting take and an interesting story, performances, production design, just kind of a unique experience. But then it gets knocked down for a couple of silly stuff or when, you know, um, a required mine. Yeah, <laughs> the required, the the uh, the contractual mine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I give it a seven too, and I'm not just saying that because you said it, Nathan. That was a. I was like, this is a seven. It's fun. It holds up. Um, I, I like it. I, I'm glad I watched it. It's fun times. Um, so what about deep cut recommendations? 
hopefully you thought of one while we've been talking, Sean. <laughs> I did. So my my 80s, this is another, and it's it's tied to this film because I also spent my summers watching the VHS in Oregon with my grandmother. Uh, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, Ooh. which is an animated film that is an adaptation of an old uh, comic book strip that ran for a long time in the 1900s. So, That's awesome. Awesome, yeah, awesome. It's, it's a cool kind of adventure uh, through a dreamland and very fantastical and very dark and a lot of like the 80s cartoon kind of vibe and style. Like it's not a, it's not really holding your hand as much. Kind of, maybe trying to scare kids sometimes. Oh, the 80s loved to scare children. That There's a, mm-hmm. a Hug-A-Bunch movie that like really messed me up um yeah and i and i feel like we we owe jaws for that you know wait what what the movie jaws they just really like if you scare Uh, people uh, there's a lot of money in it no well i i think the introduction of horror as mainstream comedy like slipped into Mm. popular entertainment had a lot to do with the success of of not only jaws but steven spielberg because he tried to slip that into a lot of his stuff you know like it's Poltergeist true. is a very mainstream horror film and like all the Amblin stuff and all the Spielberg ripoff stuffs were trying to kind of emulate that. Yeah. So I felt I sure. felt like a lot of that stuff, a lot of the 80s were um, horror was introduced a lot more liberally into the mainstream. Mm. Thanks for scaring kids, Stephen. Seriously. Um, what is your deep cut recommendation, Nathan? Uh, so I got to recommend um, a TV show on HBO uh, called Raised by Wolves. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard about that? So I did watch um, it. Yeah. So uh, if you're in the so this it's it's a it's a story it's it's a created co-created by Ridley Scott, and it very much has his signature. Um, but it's about these androids, these two androids um, raising a group of children on a mysterious planet. Uh, so if you're into if you if you dug enemy mine and you're into like more of a strange alien world, people surviving on it, the world building, the stuff people do for survival. If you're into that, then weird religious gonna, stuff, too. Yeah, exactly. This is going <laughs> to scratch that itch. Yeah. Humans doing ri- I, things I that you're ashamed of. Yeah. It's so close to enemy mine. Uh, and oh, I, yeah. I, I, li- I loved the show. So it's, it's funny that I never put it together. Love it. You're welcome. um and i so i'm gonna recommend a a doctor who um doctor who doctor who uh specifically the episodes uh silence of the library and forest of the dead uh which are season four episodes eight and nine that the tenet era uh, the tenant Donna Noble era um, because, and it was reminding me of it in the very beginning when his little tiny baby eight-year-old co-pilot dies, he has that broken helmet, his broken space helmet. And I was like, that put me in mind to the, to that, those two episodes of Dr. Who. And then I just like confirmed it for myself later on when I was like, okay, well, so, so much of the meaning of Dr. Who, which is also, you know, cheesy sci-fi in many ways um, is about, how you know we're all stories in the end and sharing your story and having someone to carry on your story is the best way to live on in in infamy or what have you so those are my recommendations doctor who uh silence of the library and forest of the dead very nice Uh um so yeah so that's uh that's uh 
that's that. Where can people uh, find you, Sean, to watch your various things and support you? I am. I'm everywhere you're supposed to be on the internet, and nowhere where you're not supposed to be on the internet. <laughs> right. So, uh, just please do not check my browsing history. <laughs> you can find my OnlyFans, of course. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Uh, no, you can find me Instagram, Third Productions, um, Facebook, www.thirdproductions.com, uh, and Sean Oliver. And I'm happy to uh, make new friends with strangers uh, on the internet. <laughs> right. I've done it friends. a lot. You know, it's just like I would I say it as a joke, but also I a long list of people come to my mind where I'm like, yeah, I've never met you in real life. Yeah, you just yeah. we're internet friends. I love it. Um, and, uh, Nathan, do you want to tell everyone where they can find and support you? Yeah, the, uh, the usual, it hasn't changed. Squishystudios.com or Squishy Studios on uh, all the interwebs, on the f- socials. Uh, and you can find me at everywhere, uh, under Neighborhood Comedy Theater. It's nctphoenix.com or, uh, nctphx, pretty much everywhere. So yeah, thank thank you, Sean, for being our guest and for picking this movie. And, and as we always like to end by reminding our uh, listeners to uh, be excellent to each other, and of course, party yeah. on! <laughs> <laughs> he did the voice flawless, flawless. Okay, yay.